Key. And I'm V. And this is We Shouldn't Talk About This. So, Key, on this fine, fine day, what do you think we shouldn't talk about? You know, V, I love how you ask me that as if we don't have predetermined stories. Wait, we do? We do. But what we shouldn't talk about today is the phenomenon of women who kill. Wait, women have the ability to kill? They do. Not not very as prevalent as men. Mm-hmm. But yes, yes, there are women killers out there. Well, this sounds like an interesting episode to me already. Oh, yeah. So, I guess we'll just jump right into it. Yeah, let's dive into the mind of these women killers. Well, I don't know if we're going to go that well. Well, I do have a slight, slight... Uh, look into the mind of why this lady was doing what she was doing. It's kind of sad. But I guess I'll explain it to you right now. All right. Gather around. Gather around, children. (laughs) It's time for a tale of crime. (laughs) Now, my subject today is Juana Barraza. Juana Barraza. Barraza. Raza. Raza. See, I, I'm like hard. I took Spanish for like eight years and I cannot mm. roll my R's. Oh my. I know, right? I even took it in college. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> anyway, unrolled R's aside, Juana was born in Hidalgo, a rural area north of Mexico City, in December on the 27th of 1958. Now, not much is known about her childhood, except Barraza's mother was an alcoholic who reportedly sold slash exchanged her for three beers to a man when Juana was like 12 or 13. So the man repeatedly raped and abused her and she inevitably became pregnant. Now, she had four children in total. But her um, oldest son died from injuries sustained in a mugging. And that's pretty much all this said about her youth. That's terrible. Yeah. Already. Right. She gave her up for three beers, allegedly. That's terrible. So, adult Juana, by day, she worked as a popcorn vendor And sometimes a luchadora. Oh, cool. At a wrestling venue in Mexico City. She was stocky and strong. And she took the ring as La Dama del Silencio. Or the Lady of Silence. Mm -hmm. As she competed in the amateur circuit. Not the professional. But at night, she became... La Mata Viejitas, or the little old lady killer. Not a luchadora, like actual killer of old ladies. Oh. Yeah, the the Lady of Silence was her luchadora name. Now, beginning in 2003, Juana would gain access or enter these ladies' homes like these little elderly ladies by helping like carrying groceries 
or claiming to be sent by the government to provide medical help or sign them up for welfare, like things like that, like, you know, little ruses that elderly people would fall victim to, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Now, once she was inside, she would pick up a weapon, like a set of stockings or a telephone cord, and she strangled him. Now, Wanda seemed to have been unusually methodical about choosing her victims. She managed to acquire a list of women who were on a government assistance program. Then she used the list to identify elderly women who lived alone and she used fake credentials by pretending to be a nurse and by the government, of course, to check their vital signs. But by the time she left, unfortunately there were no vital signs to check. So, Barraza would then look through her victims' houses for something to take with her. Though the crimes don't seem to be motivated by financial gain, she would only take like a little small memento, usually like a religious trinket. So she wasn't, you know, taking money or TVs or jewelry to sell. Nothing. Just little trinkets like to remember them by, I guess. That sounds like a real like serial killer like, MO right there. Just Yeah, she, just... she's like hitting all the serial killer stereotypes. Hmm. Now, police following the case had their own theory of who the killer was and what was driving him. Of course. According to the criminologist, the killer was most likely a man with a confused sexual identity who had been abused as a child by an elderly relative. The killings were a way of channeling his resentment toward innocent victims who stood in for the person who had abused them. Now, eyewitnesses' descriptions of a possible suspect reinforced this idea. According to witnesses, the suspect had the stocky build of a man, but wore women's clothing. Now, as a result of these eyewitness testimonies, In 2005, the police began rounding up known transvestite sex workers for questioning. Mm. So they were just dead set on believing that it was a man going around killing these elderly ladies. Dang. But after none of their fingerprints matched the crime scenes, they concluded, "Mm, okay, it's not a transvestite, but we're surely looking for a transgender person. Mm-hmm. Like, they still would not let it go that it could possibly be a woman. <laughs> like, they, they were just holding tight to this is a man. Oh my gosh. So, the profiling, of course, caused outrage in the, in the community and brought the police no closer to finding the killer. But over the next few years... Barraza killed many more women, perhaps almost 50. Wow. Some reports say up to 70. Jeez. Before the police finally caught a break in the case. Now, in 2006, Barraza strangled an 82-year-old woman with a stethoscope. Because mm-hmm. remember, her, her one of her ruses was to pretend she was a nurse. Yeah. As she was leaving the scene, 
a woman who was renting the room in the victim's home returned and found the body. She immediately called the police. And with the help of that witness, the police were able to arrest Barraza before she left the area. During questioning, Barraza confessed to having strangled at least one woman, stating that she committed the crime out of a sense of anger at elderly women in general. Now, uh, the criminologist working her case said that her hatred was rooted in the feelings toward her mother. So she targeted women who would have been around the same age as her mom. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I wonder why she didn't just go find her mom. Like, was her mom already deceased? Right. Like, why not go find her and strangle her? Yeah, if you go through all this trouble again, like, you know, like, the government documents and stuff like that, you find your mom. Right. Hmm. You know, I take it out on, on innocent women that had nothing to do with anything. Nothing. Mm. Now, according to Barraza, she wasn't the only person behind the killings. There's no proof of that at all, that she had any accomplices. All she had to do was say the word man, and they'd be like, you know, scrambling. We knew it! <laughs> we knew it! <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that went right back to the board. Right. It's all right. Let's reveal what we know again. Not transvestite. Okay. Like, we know it was a man. <laughs> like, they were just very, yeah. very determined to prove it was a man. You would be like, what the hell is going on? So, after being confronted by the, confronted by the press, Barraza asked, with all due respect to the authorities, there are several of us involved in extortion and killing people. So, why don't the police go after others, too? I mean, so she was really trying to sell this. I'm not the only one. Oh, <laughs> she's like, she's like, I'm I'm part of a world of underground crime. Yeah. I don't know these people personally, but I know they're doing stuff. Right. Yeah. So, she they weren't buying what they what she was selling though, mm -hmm. because according to the police, Barraza acted alone. <laughs> they they tried their damnedest to make a man responsible, but they just couldn't. They could not connect those dots. It's like, yeah, it's a luchador. You mean luchador? They could match her fingerprints to the prints left behind at the scene of multiple murders while ruling out other possible suspects. So with the evidence they collected, they were able to charge Barraza with 16 different murders. But, you know, again, she's believed to have killed anywhere from up to 50 to 70 elderly ladies. And though she claimed that she had only been responsible for one killing, she was convicted and sentenced to 759 years in prison. Okay. <laughs> right. Like I thought, America was harsh. Look, you just say life. You just say life in prison. You got a number on it. Right. Hey. It's like, you will see the light of day until twenty-seven eighty-five, young lady. Right. Like you, you can die, but your bones are gonna be here. <laughs> yeah. For this whole oh. seven hundred fifty-nine years. They're serving. They're serving that sentence. Okay. So was she around? Was she doing this around the same area? Like her fifty to seventy old women were they all in the same town? I'm guessing it was all Mexico City, maybe the surrounding areas. Because like Mexico City is the capital, and 
and from what I from what I, what I hear, like Mexico City like does things differently because you know they're more like like it's more of like a structured area, like right. you know. So so I would think like they would have called on fast if, but well then again, I don't know like a so if a bunch of elderly women turned up dead. Unless you see like signs of strangulation, strangulation, you would think it's just natural causes, right? You know, right. you're just like, like, oh well, like you know, the doctor's like, well, it looks like her heart just stopped, like you know, her lungs gave out. So, so it's like, I guess, like you know, I guess like, that keeps attention off you for so long. But when that um that Airbnb lady or whatever came home and saw it, it was like, okay, like she literally got like strangled. Right, yeah. and don't forget, from 2003 to 2005, they were looking for either a transgender man, a transvestite sex worker. Like they were only looking at men at this point. Yeah, yeah. So, so two, so two years on a, a trail that has no warmth or cold on it, just a blank trail. Right, and you know she got caught in 2006, but that's because. Like you said, the lady came home and she was able to say, that woman was yeah. just here. <laughs> You're right. Like, that man? Like, it's like, <laughs> say, no, mujer. It's like, hmm. Hombre? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, that was an interesting case. All right. Yeah. That was, I feel like that like, is. Like, her, 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 her backstory is sad and her, her, uh, her killing spree was sad. Right, right. It's, you know, sad all the way around because if her mother hadn't done that, then she probably would not have grown up to become La Mata Viejitas. Mm-hmm. She might have been a successful luchadora. Yeah. And had a great career. And what could have been, if only, if only, you know, her mom wasn't a heartless witch. Right. Hmm. Well, you know, we do have an explicit rating, so you can use real bad words. Oh, okay, okay. Puta. <laughs> there we go. Well, Key, let me, uh, let me take you north a little ways to um, Alabama. All right. So, I'm going to... Hear gl- the banjos a-dooling. Yeah, <laughs> and this <laughs> is in 1905. Mm. Starts in 1905 from the time of her birth. I am talking about the Lonely Hearts Killer, the Ooh. Giggling Nanny Serial Killer, Ooh. Nanny Doss. Now, on the outside, Nanny looks like a kind-hearted mother and wife, but on the inside, she was a dark, unreasonable woman who had no remorse for the things she did. Did? Excuse you. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse you. That was that was the voice doing that. It wasn't me. Nancy Hazel was born November 4th, 1904, 1905, in Blue Mountain, Alabama, which is now part of Anderson, Alabama, to Louisa and James Hazel. Nanny was one of five children. She had one brother and three sisters. Both Nanny and her mother hated the father. He was controlling. He didn't let the kids go to school. Instead, he had them doing farm work. And he he forbid them from having any kind of social life, like any like neighborhood kids. You're not talking to those kids. Damn. Yeah. When Nanny was seven, she was on the train with her family, and the train abruptly stopped, and she banged her head on a metal like handrail, and um, she blames this for her mental instability and for like blackouts and depression like for years to come. During her childhood, though, her favorite hobby was reading her mother's romance magazines. Mm. 
and dreaming of her own romantic future. As do almost every little girl. And then later, she she upgraded to the Lonely Hearts column in the newspaper. Oh, like so the, the single dads? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The... Her father forbid Hazel and her sisters from wearing makeup and attractive clothes, you know, as they got older, to prevent them from being molested by men. However, this still happened. Right. I was going to say, this is... Back in 1917. Basically, you know, early 1900s slut shaming. Like, you wear it, you deserve what happens. Yeah. So, Nanny started off early. Because all all of Nanny's Nanny's, uh, altercations happened from marriage. Mm. She's had lots of marriages. Okay. So, we're starting with marriage number one. Nanny was first married at 16 to Charlie Briggs, her co-worker at a linen factory, with her father's approval after only four months of dating. Well, it was a different time. It was a different time, yeah. And it's Alabama, so I didn't really care. Charlie was the only son of a single mother who insisted to live with them. Um, Well, well, insisted that they live with her because they were still, like, 16. Right. That seems reasonable. I mean... You know, they're young. Yeah, yeah. Why, why push them out when they possibly couldn't support themselves? No, uh-uh. I mean, not my 16-year-old, but, you know, it was a different time. <laughs> a part of her confession, one thing she said about Charlie's mom is that, um, I married I married as my father wished in 1921 to a boy I only knew about four or five months who had no family, only a mother who was unwed, and who had taken over my life completely when we were married. She never... She never um didn't she never seen anything wrong with what she did, but she but she would take spells. She would not let my own mother stay all night. Charlie's mother took up all of his attention took up most of his attention and limited Nanny's activities. The marriage produced four daughters from nineteen twenty three to nineteen twenty seven. She wasn't limiting too much then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no. they, they still have time to make kids now. One every year, it seems. The stressed-out nanny started drinking, and her casual smoking habit became a heavy addiction. Both unhappy partners suspected each other correctly of infidelity, mm. and Charlie would disappear for days on end. In 1927, the couple lost two of their two of their middle daughters to suspected food poisoning. Damn. Nanny received the girl's life insurance money. And Charlie accused her of food po- of of the food poisoning and took their firstborn daughter Melvina and left, leaving o- leaving Nanny and their newborn Florline behind. I was about to say he just took the, the one kid. Yep, he, he, he said you can have the baby. This girl right here can talk. Right. <laughs> she can she can go by herself, so right. we, we good. She's a little self sufficient. <laughs> right. She can she can cook her own grits in the morning, so we're good. Um, so Charlie left and then her mother, then Charlie's mother died soon after he left. Surprise, surprise. His mother was not old now at this point. But why? Okay. So my thing is, why wouldn't he save his mom too? If he, if he truly thought that she killed their two daughters, their two middle daughters, their own blood. Right. Why would you only take the one girl? Yeah. Not the other baby. Not your mom. Like your mom could have watched the baby. Yeah. Seriously, seriously. Like, why not just kick Nanny out? Like, I don't know. Something seems fishy on that side, too. Yeah, that's true. So, um, so after she died, um, a year later in the summer of 1928, Charlie came back with 
accompanied by a divorcee with their own child. Mm. Charlie and Nanny soon divorced, with Nanny taking her two girls back to her mother's home. And Charlie, Charlie to this day, well, Charlie to the report still said like he left because he was frightened of her. He was not, he was not comfortable being with her. I mean, if you think, if she, if you thought she killed her kids, then I am understanding why. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, that's a crazy start to this whole thing. Right. <laughs> and that's just husband number one. That's husband number one. That's time for number two. So, Nancy then turned to romance novels and began to seek out a new partner. Continuing her writing after moving back to Alabama, Nan- uh, Nanny caught the attention of 23-year-old Robert Franklin Harrelson. They met and married in 1929. They lived, they lived in Jacksonville with um, Nancy's two daughters, Nanny's two daughters, and after a few months, she discovered that he was an alcoholic with a history of criminal charges. Despite this, the marriage lasted 16 long years. Wow. Um, now, now um, Nanny's, young, Nanny's oldest daughter gave birth to her first son in 1943, and then another baby came two years later but died soon after that. But it's but it's reported that um, Malvina, the daughter, was exhausted from labor, and she thought she saw her, um, her mother stick a hat pin in the baby's head. And when she asked her husband in search of clarification, they said they said Nanny had told them the baby was dead, and they noticed that she was holding the pin. And the doctors couldn't give a positive explanation on what happened to the baby. This sounds like uh, Nanny is. A little ticky ticky in the head. Yeah, um, if if something doesn't go Nanny's way, she does not she does not bat an eye at killing it. I see. The grieving parents split apart, and Malvina then started dating a soldier. Nanny disapproved of him, and while Malvina was visiting her father after a fight with with um, Nanny, her son Robert died mysteriously under Nanny's care in 1945. Damn, so she killed both her grandkids? Damn, Nanny. The death was there was diagnosed as asphyxia from unknown causes, and two months later, Nanny received $500 of life insurance money that she took out on Robert, the, the, the baby, or the child. Come on, people. If that's not a red flag, then I don't know what is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, also in 1945, uh, Japan surrendered to the Allied forces in World War II, and Harrelson, Nanny's husband, was a hard partier for celebrations so after an evening of partying and drinking he stormed uh, he's busting the house demanding sex from nanny nanny refused it but then she finally submitted she then goes forward to insist that it was rape and that was her last straw the next day she discovered harrison's corn whiskey jar buried in the ground and around her garden and she topped it off with rat poison and he drank that evening and died a painful death. Well, don't rape people. These types of things won't happen to you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there there you go. Saying. There you go. Attention all rapists out there. This is cause and effect right here. Yeah, you would have your insides exploded by poison if you're not careful. Oh, that sounds painful. Mm-hmm. Nanny met her third husband, Arlie Lanning, through another Lonely Hearts column while traveling in Lexington, North Carolina, and married him three days later. Another red flag, sir. <laughs> You're on a chopping block. 
<laughs> like Harrelson, Lanning was an alcoholic womanizer also. But in the marriage, it was Nanny who often disappeared for months on end. But when she but when she was home, she played the dotting housewife. And when he died, from what was said to be heart failure, the townspeople supported her at his funeral. Soon after, Lanning's house was given was like supposed to be left to his sister in his will. But Nanny burned it down. Whoa, that was petty. <laughs> <laughs> and she <laughs> And she collected that insurance, buddy. <laughs> she quickly banked it. And then, after, soon after, Lanning's mom died in her sleep. Okay, she's just getting outrageous at this point. She's just getting outrageous. I, I hate this story so much because Nanny, Nanny she, she killed anyone in her path. And it's so, it's so sad and so unfortunate. But it's just so crazy that she got away with this for so long. Right, so like crazy. one person having all these deaths around them, that's not suspicious to anybody. Mm-mm. So then Nanny leaves North Carolina and end up at her sister Dolby's Do- uh, home. Dolby was bedridden, and soon after Nanny arrived, Dozzy died. God damn! <laughs> <laughs> so any minor inconvenience, she is ready to take you out. Exactly. Wow. At the prime age of 47, Nanny realized that she's starting to lose her looks. Oh, my. So, the search for love continues. Nanny joined a dating service called the Diamond Circle Club and soon met Richard L. Morton of Jamestown, North Carolina. They married in 1952 in Emporia, Kansas. He didn't have a drinking problem, but he was adulterous. And she knew something had to be done about him. No, before she began properly partying. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> just leave, Nanny. Damn it, just leave. How are you just running around and killing people just willy nilly? Nanny didn't give a fuck. But about she anybody. really didn't. She just knew she had to be married. And. If one thing is wrong, if the new cough's wrong, she's right. gonna kill you. You're gonna you're gonna die, dude. Any little thing. Oh my goodness. Okay, continue. Okay. So she knew something had to be done about him. Though before she began to properly plan, her elderly mother had to move in. Oh god, not her mom about <laughs> to die. I know it, I just feel it. Knowing knowing that she could not kill her husband without her mother noticing. Something had to be done about her mother. She, she poisoned her mother in January of 1953. And a few months later, Morton died in May of 1953. Nanny then married Samuel Dawes in, 19, in June of 1953. Like you said, how did this go on for so long? She, 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 is, she is a bounce back champion. She is so fast. Like she and she obviously pulls. She pulls men somehow. Like she just has no remorse. Of, she. Oh my gosh. I can't wait for you to see the picture. You'll you'll think you'll think there's no way this is the same lady. I just can't believe like she is just so callously taking people's lives. Like oh yeah, she's heartless. You are. I gotta kill him, so I gotta kill you, so you don't know I killed him. <laughs> do, do you have a do you have a tally so far? Are you, are you, you keeping track of? Oh, her all. two kids, mm-hmm. her son-in-law, her two grandsons, 
um, her mother-in-law, one of her mother-in-laws. Yeah, one of them. Her sister. Yep. Her mother. This recent husband, that's eight right there. <laughs> and I feel like I'm leaving out maybe two people. <laughs> yeah, the last two husbands, yeah. God. In June 1953, um, Nanny, she was in Oklahoma, and she met Samuel Dawes. And this was this was her latest husband. Mm-hmm. Um, Samuel, Samuel was a conservative and religious man, and he disapproved of her romance novels and stories. You gotta go. You gotta go, Samuel. Yeah, he, he done said the wrong thing. Right. In September, Samuel was admitted to the hospital for strange flu-like flu-like symptoms. The hospital diagnosed him with severe digestive tract infection. And he was treated and released on October 5th. But Samuel indeed died on October 12th. Nanny killed him that evening in her rush to collect the two life insurance policies she'd taken out on him. Two. Is nobody noticing that she's taken out an awful lot of insurance policies that are getting... Yeah. You're like, yeah, how many companies are she turning to or is she using the same company over and over again? Right, like, did, did nobody find this suspicious? And, like, this is crazy. Like, this is in the 50s. She didn't have internet. She didn't have a cell phone. And, and people nowadays... Like they just make excuses for not getting insurance. She can insure. She can insure for everybody she meets. Right. And she had. She had nothing but her two feet like, and her will. Her will to kill. A will to kill. Her bloodlust. Very much so a bloodlust. <laughs> so um. So all right. So anyway. So that time frame is October twelfth to October fifth to October twelfth. So seven days, right? Right. That doctor that that just released him was like, there's no way he died. Oh, hell, not a doctor gonna die because he's suspicious. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. He's gonna ask her one question and now he's gone. You can just imagine it like, you know, it's like a movie and she's in the office and he asks a question and the music starts playing and then, like, she's like sawing off his body parts and stuff. Like, oh, good man. Lord. I just, oh my God. Everybody she comes so, across. Fortunately, though. He's the hero of the story. Oh, thank goodness. So the doctor ordered an autopsy. The autopsy re- revealed an alarming amount of arsenic in, his, in her husband's system. Oh, arsenic. That's, I hear that's a rough way to die, too. Yeah, and like, in most of her methods, well, her methods for her husband's are from food. Like, you know, like, you know, I'm going to cook you up at dinner, mm. but I'm going to put, like, arsenic in it. You know, yeah. you're going to get jacked, everything all jacked up. All right. Nan- Nanny was promptly, promptly arrested after this. Now we're in the confession part of the story. Nanny confessed to killing four of her husbands, mm. her mother, her sister, her grandsons, her mother-in-law, from the span of 1920 to 1954. Well, 1927 1954. But the state of Oklahoma centered its case only around Samuel Doss, so they just like whatever to the other whatever to the other people you murdered. So and even the though she admitted it, she straight up said, "Yeah, I did it." Damn, she is gangster. Yeah, she pled guilty May seventeenth, nineteen fifty five, and was sitting was sentenced to life imprisonment. The state did not pursue the death penalty due to her being a woman. So, like you said in one of our previous episodes, women get off super, super easy. easy. If this was a man on a killing spree like this, he would have been caught really fast, first of right. all. Right. First of all, like, two wives, and he would have been like, oh, 
sums up. Yeah. And she was she was only so she was in Alabama, North Carolina, Oklahoma. I mean, like, I mean that that's like a Bermuda Triangle right there, because like they're they're not touching states exactly. I mean, I, cause I definitely know North Carolina, and Alabama don't touch. Right. I don't think Oklahoma touches. Oklahoma is on top of Texas. Yeah. Okay. So how did she how did she manage this? Once again, this is like the nineteen twenties to nineteen fifty four. How did she manage all this? She was, was incredible. Traveling and killing and there's no there's no telling how many truck drivers she murdered along right. the way or just innocent people on the road who looked at her funny just imagine like you know she's she's in like in a like hitchhiking she's in a truck and she's reading like a um a personal's ad and the truck driver's like oh those silly things ha 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 you know she puts that paper down and he, right. he's next next thing cut to scene she's driving the truck and his head <laughs> is on the seat <laughs> yeah <laughs> and she's like stalling it because like she's not a drug pledge <laughs> oh man anyway um, yeah, yeah, so Dawson never charged, she, Nanny was never, never charged with the other deaths, and Nanny died of leukemia in the hospital ward 10 years later, at age of 59. She did all this in 59 years? Well, not even 59 Nine, years, 59 like, years. jeez. Yeah, she, um, and, and, and part of her confession also said, like, you know, I, I had no, no regrets for anything I've done. She literally just cold blooded. Yeah, this um, that was a very that was a very strange case when I came across it. I was so surprised. Um, yeah, I, yeah, and it, it, it's, it's it pains me to laugh at this, but it's just it's just comical how much she got away with in such a little short, it's such a small amount of time, and how adorably nice she looks. She looks like a little old lady, like a little granny, but. No, you say the wrong and, thing to her, and you're you're done. And not just that, she was just like so callous with it. Just yeah. anybody could get it. Yeah, even ba- even babies. And babies don't even do nothing to people. No, how can you how can you stick a pin in a baby's head and just be like, mm, oh well? Right, like okay, this baby's crying a little too much. Let me just go ahead and handle this. Well, well, for her, it wasn't even that. Her was like, I don't approve of your new. Our army boyfriend, so I'm gonna kill your your child that you have together. Damn, it's crazy. So was guilty of being born. <laughs> it's you're born in the wrong family there. So that was um that was Nancy Hazel. <clears throat> that was rough. Like she was crazy. She was crazy. She was crazy. But in in the the time of no DNA, like. I could see, you know, probably not as stringent toxicology tests. Like, until that doctor was like, come on, people. Yeah, it's like, Like, I just let him out last week. Right. Like, like he was not sick enough to die that quick. Mm -hmm. Until a doctor actually, he didn't even put two and two together. He was just like, hmm, that seems strange. Yeah. And that's all it took. Yeah, he's one of all types to see what he did wrong. He he made sure he he, he wanted to fact check him on himself. But then he was like, wait a second. I didn't bet put arsenic in him. Hmm. You know, but like that's where that's where Nancy slipped. That's where Nanny slipped up, though. Um, for Samuel going to the hospital versus like you know him dying immediately. Right. That's where she slipped up. Right. Because everyone else, like they they just died, and there was no like you know, no um, no hospitals, no autopsies, just like death and a funeral. Yeah, you would get away with that back then. Now, if anybody dies under suspicious circumstances. Oh, you better believe there's going to be an investigation. Oh, yeah. Well, 
number nine, we uh, are almost in the double digits. Oh my gosh, yeah. We need to we need to pull out something good for number ten. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, we shouldn't talk about this episode X. It should be something good. Yeah, mm. and uh, still also email us. Nobody has emailed us with any case suggestions yet. No. No. Friends, what are we doing? Let's see. Let's email. Let's email our email and give us some good suggestions because you know we can think of creative stuff all day all day long. But unless we have some outside input, we wouldn't know what cases really mean the most to you all. Right. What do you want us to cover? What countries have some crazy crimes that you just want us to dive into? Yeah, like you know, even send it in your language. We'll find a way to translate it. We don't mind. We don't mind. Well, V doesn't mind. <laughs> v does not mind. <laughs> but other than that, I want to shout out our new listeners. Oh. And I um, see we got a couple more countries added on. Ah, joining the We Shouldn't Talk About This Fleet, huh? Yes. Yes, let's tell, tell your friend, tell your coworker. If you hate us, tell your enemies. That's right. Just keep on sharing. Just keep on sharing. And tell, uh, tell your neighboring countries, too. <laughs> yes, yes. If you live on a border town, <laughs> yeah. listen to one episode in one country, a second episode in another country. <laughs> That's right. But, I don't know, so any, any way to leave this on a positive note? On a positive note. Mm-hmm. I would say if uh, if you're you're bored, check out Jigsaw Planet if you like to do puzzles. It's very fun. Jigsaw Planet. Yeah. I do like puzzles every now and then, especially when I'm not doing anything. Keeps my keeps my hands working. Yeah, idle hands are the devil's playground. <laughs> so I've heard. <laughs> well, yeah, we will have photos of each uh, female killer on our Instagram. The Wstat underscore pod. Yes, that is correct. No underscore podcast. I believe the full word is what we use for both the Instagram and the Twitter, which we do have some good interactions on Twitter and on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely appreciate that. It keeps me busy. It keeps me engaged. And I like our little podcast community that we've become a part of. Yeah, I enjoy it. And other than JigsawPlanet.com, you know, drink some water. Water's good for you. Yeah, definitely drink water, you know, while the planet has it, you know. It's a resource we just use up and not think about. We are a closed system, so rain will always generate more water. Yeah, that's a fact. That is a fact. Okay, that's cool then. Or I should say clouds will always generate more water. Cloud. However. However. Is it acid rain water? It's possible. Hmm. It's possible. It is possible. So, V... I guess this concludes episode nine, and I've been thinking maybe for once we start to get up in in the numbers, when we find big cases, 
maybe it'll have to be like a key goes it alone v goes it alone one person story time oh that'd be interesting yeah yeah, yeah that'd be cool yeah gonna switch it up a little bit maybe for That's the funny. 20s yeah okay i'm yeah. done with that i hope you let hopefully listeners are ready to for some extremely fun accents coming out when v does his alone Yes, and some extremely fun, smarmy comments from me. <laughs> All right, well, I guess that's that's it. Episode 9 is a wrap. Looking forward to 10 and our big case for that one. Yeah, yeah. We brainstorming as we speak. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, everybody, I'm Key. And I'm V. And thanks for joining us on We Shouldn't Talk About This. So long. Bye.